It is so good to be with you. Um, this is my second time to the Philippines, second time to Manila. The first time I only stayed for like a day. Um, this time I got here and I've been here long enough to learn some things about your culture. Um, probably the most notable, see last time I came, the only thing I remembered was the traffic. <laughs> this time, what stuck out to me is I have never taken so many selfies in my life. <laughs> Everyone is coming up to me asking if they can take a selfie. I've never seen this anywhere. In fact, some of you are probably going nuts right now because you can't take a selfie. So I encourage you, everyone take out your phone for a second. Everyone take out your phone. And here's what I want you to do. Just take a selfie with the person next to you. Would you do that? <laughs> just take one right now. Just, just take a selfie. Okay, get it out of your system. Okay, just one. I know some of you guys are going crazy. <laughs> it's like, hi. Did you get me? Isn't it? Okay, good. You guys, what did we do? Sorry, my voice is gone from the week. But what did we do before selfies were invented? Do you remember those days? Man, I remember when I was a little kid, we would go to a waterfall. And you know what we used to do? We used to stare at the waterfall. And we used to admire the waterfall. And we would just look at it and say, wow, that is so beautiful. Nowadays, if you go to a waterfall, the first thing that goes through your mind is, I should take a picture of me. Me, and I'll have the little waterfall in the background. And it's become totally normal. Our first thought to take a picture of ourselves. You guys, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of selfies. Okay? They will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud. It's amazing to me that he says in the last days, <clears throat> the world is going to get really bad. Because, and here he's talking about in the church, in the church, people will become lovers of self. Is in the church, people will come in thinking about themselves. He goes, it's going to get really bad in the last days. They're going to be focused on self. You see, when I was a kid, we used to have this word called narcissism. Have you heard of that? So it used to be if you took a lot of pictures of yourself, we called that narcissism. Today we call it Facebook. It's normal. It's become normal for everyone to set up a page that's all about themselves. And we don't think anything of it. Well, of course, who else am I going to take pictures of? Who else am I going to post about me? 
You guys, the Bible warns that in the last days, it's going to creep into the church where people will think about themselves, they'll love themselves. I'm willing to bet that 90% of you at least came in this morning thinking about yourself, right? And you come to church, you think, where do I want to sit? Who do I want to sit with? I hope the speaker says something to me, and it's good to me. I hope they sing a song that I like. You came in, maybe some of you, in selfie mode, and you're just looking at yourself, and, and, and you're, maybe you came in because you, you, you're looking at yourself one day, and you're going, gosh, I've got some problems in life, and so you come into the church, and you start getting people, hey, come over here, look at me, look at my issues, come on, come here, look at me, help me, I need help, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I know this because I've been a pastor for the last 30 years, and I just want to say, back home, some of the most miserable people I know are the people who cannot get out of selfie mode. There are people in my church that come week after week, and no matter what I do for them, it's never enough. I can't please them. I just, I give up. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. No matter what I say, it's always, well, but look at how it makes me feel. Come over here, let's look at me. And let me tell you how I feel. And I just wanna say this morning, I think the best thing I can do for you today is, and the best thing the staff can do for you today at this gathering is there's a little button on your phone and if you push it, it takes it off of selfie mode and you can't even see yourself anymore. You can try to go, you know, you, you can't once it's off of selfie mode because I want to teach you that the secret to life, the secret of joy in Christ is to get off of selfie mode and actually look at someone better than yourself. To stare at, I know this is counterintuitive, that the best thing you can do for yourself is to get over yourself and stare at someone more beautiful than you. That's what David says in Psalm 27. He goes, God, this is just the one thing I want. I just, I just want to dwell in your house and I just want to stare. I just want to stare at your beauty. This is something that's been lost in this generation. We feel like we have to be in the center of every picture and then we wonder why we're unfulfilled. Because the secret to joy is pushing that button and you stare at God and you realize that in heaven right now, there's an amazing being, amazing being. You know, we pray the Lord's Supper. I mean, not the Lord's Supper. I mean, you pray before the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Prayer. Um, and what, what do we say? Thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Do you want that? Do you want the earth 
to be like it is in heaven? Because let me describe what heaven is like. And just give me a, a quick snapshot in Revelation 5, verse 11. It says this, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. What's going on in heaven? People taking selfies? People coming up to God and say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, everyone is staring at him. And they were all there for one reason. All they wanted to do was come up to the lamb and go, worthy are you, worthy are you. Jesus, you are so worthy. You deserve all the attention. You deserve all the glory. No one's looking at themselves. They've taken themselves off of selfie mode because they see someone so much more beautiful. Why would I want a mirror in heaven? That's the last thing I wanna look at. I want to stare at God in all of his glory. And that's what we're trying to teach you in this church. This is going to bring you so much joy in life when you recognize there's someone so much more beautiful to look at. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. And there are millions of angels worshiping him, staring at him. And yet many of us would rather look in the mirror and then we wonder why we're miserable. What we're trying to teach you at this church is to take your eyes off of yourself. Look at God and look at others. Do you know that every one of you has been given, according to 1 Corinthians 12, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Like, there's a way that God has gifted, uniquely gifted, supernaturally gifted each of you to where there's a certain way that the Spirit will work through you to bless other people. I believe God's given me a gift that sometimes when I start teaching, it's not me anymore and somehow it's the Spirit of God speaking through me to bless other people. And the Bible says everyone has a gift like that, at least one, where it's a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But the reason why people don't figure out what their gift is, is because they're not thinking about the common good. 
You didn't come to the gathering today saying, God, I love these people. Give me a gift because I'm thinking about them and I actually want to bless them. I want to bless whoever I sit next to. So give me a gift. Why? Because you're not in selfie mode. You're not in that picture. You're looking at other people in the face and going, gosh, I see her. I want to bless her. I see him. I want to bless him. God, give me a gift. You said that you would give me a gift so that I could bless him. And because I love him, you've got to help me. Help me. That's what I pray before I get on the stage. I'm looking at your faces as we're worshiping. and I'm going, God, I don't know these people. I don't know if they really know you. I don't know if they came in just thinking about themselves and maybe they thought, I'll come to church because it'll help me. It's all about me. And maybe church will get, help me get rich. Maybe the church will help me get healthy. Maybe the church will fix my family. And I'm praying, oh God, Give me a word. Help me. Help me show them. Because I can't get into your, your heart. Maybe I can get into your head just a little bit. But I can't get into your heart. I'm going, God, please, please, please. When I'm up there, would you speak through me? Would it be supernatural? Because selfish people oftentimes cannot see how self-centered they are. And I'm saying, God, can you use me to open their eyes? to just how much they think about themselves and how that's the very thing that's destroying them. It's, uh, I, I love what it says in Philippians. Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is scripture. He's saying, do you get anything from Christ? Do you get anything from participating in his spirit? Well, he goes then, do something for me. Make my joy complete. He goes, when you gather, consider others more important than yourself. In fact, don't do anything based on selfish ambition. Don't come in here on selfie mode thinking about yourself. Actually come in and consider others more important. Wouldn't it be crazy if you just parked blocks away? Because you thought, you know what, I'll walk. Let someone else have the good, good parking spot. You know? How many of us I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I am really curious how many of you came in thinking I'm gonna bless someone today. I'm thinking about others and others are more important than me. And I wonder how many of us came in thinking about ourselves. 
You guys, like I said, this is so counterintuitive because all of modern day counseling seems to get you to focus on who? Yourself. Let's look deeper at you. Well, let's go back to your childhood. Let's go back when you're in your mother's womb. You know, let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Let's look deeper and deeper at you. You guys, and it's this never-ending cycle. And we get caught up in it. And what's sad is it even, it even gets into the church where I've heard people twist the scriptures. Even scriptures that are meant to get us thinking about other people, people turn it. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. What is Jesus saying? Hey, love other people. And people look at that and they go, well, it says love them as yourself. And I don't love myself that much, so I'm just gonna work on that part first. And I'm gonna love me. Because until I really love me, I can't love other people. That's not the point of the verse. You already love yourself. That's why you're always thinking about yourself. And that's why you're always saying, hey, I don't think I love me. Let's look at me, let's look at me. People go, yeah, I just don't love myself. I go, yes, you do. Every time we get together, you wanna talk about you and your problems, your issues, why? Because you're naturally in love with yourself. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is get over yourself and love others. Same thing Paul's saying here to the Philippians. Consider others more important than yourself. That was the example of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And if he really is our role model and we take on the name of Christ, this is what's gonna bring us life. Jesus came to rescue me. He came to rescue me from myself. And Francis Chan was leading me into misery. He was. Francis Chan was just always telling me to look in the mirror. And God had a solution for that. God had a suggestion. He goes, how about we kill Francis Chan? See, that's what it means to become a believer. I'm in agreement with God of going, I really don't like Francis. He is gonna lead me to destruction. And that's why in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand that's the picture of baptism? Is that, you know what? I don't want Francis in charge anymore. I want him crucified. Would you kill? God, would you kill Francis Chan? Francis Chan hurts people. Francis Chan's always thinking about himself. Francis Chan just wants to do whatever he feels like doing. We need to kill him so that the spirit now will enter into me and start living through me so that I'm not always staring at myself. It's actually Christ who lives through me and lives in me. And Christ would not come in this room thinking about himself. Christ would come in looking at everyone else. Christ would come in and go, hey, this is my father's temple. 
He would stare at the Father. He would stare at your needs. And that's what the Spirit can do in your life. He can save you from yourself. He can save you from this selfishness because you're never gonna be happy as long as you're staring at yourself. And it's then and only then. I mean, could you imagine if everyone in this room had the same mindset, like it says in Philippians? Could you imagine if everyone walked in with the same mindset where they said, I'm not gonna do anything, anything out of selfish ambition? Could you imagine what an amazing church this would be? If everyone came in thinking about others. There's this passage in There's this passage in uh, Hebrews. Does this look weird? Well, so does this. When people come in and this is the only time they eat. Okay, this looks weird. I should not be drinking out of a baby bottle, right? That's the same thing Paul says in Hebrews. He says, for though, well, the writer of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in a a word of righteousness since he's a child. Paul says some of you should have been teachers by now. Like you've been going to these gatherings and Pastor Peter's like, come up here, come up here. Come here, suck on this bottle. Let me feed you. And for some of you, this is the only time you eat all week long. You don't even know how to pick up this book and feed yourself. That's what we're trying to do is get you to memorize some verses. Get in this book. So many of you have never even read this book. You come here and go, well, I'd rather come and have Peter feed me. And I'm just telling you, that's weird. That looks really weird for him to stand here every week. Come on up, come on up. And then you complain going, you didn't feed me enough. And Paul says, are you kidding me? Is this really going on? Is this really going on? You should have been a teacher and you're up there complaining that he didn't give you the little baba for long enough. You didn't feed me enough, pastor. I've heard this my whole life. You come in, you're like, well, I didn't get enough from the worship. I didn't get enough from the sermon. He didn't feed me enough. Wah, wah. And they're like, oh, your sermon wasn't good enough. It's like, no, you know why you're unhappy? It's your fault. It's you, you suck. You do, you come and you suck out of this bottle every week and you suck all the life out of me and it's still not enough and you start sucking from everyone else. Have you ever considered the reason why you're not happy is because you suck? You do, you suck the life out of people. That's the reason why your marriage sucks is because you suck. You don't have enough. God says in Jeremiah 2, he goes, don't you understand? I'm a spring of living water. 
but you're going and you're trying to dig these cisterns and trying to get life from all of these other people and it doesn't hold water, but I'm a spring of living water. That's why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't suck. I shall not suck. I don't want from other people. He was, in fact, I've got this cup and it's like spilling over onto everyone around me. Why? Because I'm so fulfilled in this. Look, other people are never gonna give you the life you expect. Some of you suck as parents. You're not fulfilled in Christ, so you, want, you need something from your kids. Some of you guys suck as children that you, don't, you haven't found your own relationship with God, so you demand so much from your parents. And so what happens when we are empty people? We start trying to leech from other people, and this is what causes the divorces, this is what causes all the broken families. And then everyone comes in the church wanting something for themselves, and then we end up with a church that sucks, right? rather than a church that's overflowing with life, where everyone comes in, like my wife and I, we've been married for 25 years, and it's just awesome. We just celebrated two, two weeks ago our 25-year anniversary, and as we're praying, my yeah, yeah, clap for that. It's seven children, amazing life, and she's saying during prayer, she goes, she says to me, do you know of anyone as blessed as we are? Like, I, I'm sure there's someone on the earth, but it's hard to fathom. Why is that? It's because she's got everything she needs in Christ, and I have everything I need. I don't need from her. I love her. It's a blast. There's no one I'd rather be with. I don't need her. I'm overflowing. I get along with the creator of the universe and he fills me up and he is my shepherd to where I don't want. I'm off of selfie mode and I, I just get alone and I just stare through the scriptures and I look at all the passages that talk about God and I'm just like, you're amazing, you're amazing. You got 100 million angels worshiping you, they're bowing down to you. Like right now you're like an atomic bomb where, where no one could even approach you and yet you sacrificed for me, you saw me in all of my sin and you went after me, and you had your one and only son on a cross. For me, no one's ever loved me like this, and you're telling me right now, you're looking at me as your son, and you're gonna take me to be with you forever. This is incredible, this is overwhelming. Like we have this relationship, so I'm so full, man. I don't come in here dry. I don't go to my kids dry. I don't go to my wife dry. I'm overflowing. Why? Because I'm staring at him. And he is so fulfilling. No one else is gonna fulfill you like that. We've gotta stop driving the people around us crazy by expecting too much of them. See? Some of you have really bought into a lie. It's the same lie from the beginning. The devil has been saying the same thing from day one. 
What did he say to Eve? He says, that fruit looks good. Come on. Come on, think about yourself. Just take it. Don't worry about what God wants. He just doesn't want you to eat of that tree because he knows if you eat it, then you become like him and now you're in charge and you get to decide what to do. Don't stay under his leadership. Go out. You do you. Eve, you do you. Do what makes you feel good. And when that's, that's all Satan was doing. Satan was not saying, hey, look at me. Worship me. He's just like, no, look at yourself. And whatever you do, let's get away from that God over there who's telling you to come under his leadership. And those commands and him deciding what's good, he has no right to tell you what's right for you. You do you. It's the same thing. Same thing. Thousands of years later, here we are again. And everyone's taking pictures of themselves, sharing their thoughts, what they feel is right, because they have the knowledge of good and evil. And we as Christians, we say, no, 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 this is different. I don't want to look in the mirror. I don't want to look at myself. I want to look at him. The Bible says, you guys know the verse, hopefully you know at least this one, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I came to give you life. The thief came to steal life from you. You know how he does it? He hands you a mirror. He goes, just keep looking at yourself. Tell yourself you're beautiful. Tell yourself you're gorgeous. Tell yourself that you have wisdom. Just look in that mirror and go, you know, you've got some pretty profound thoughts. You better tweet those out. That's how Satan destroys you. He gets you thinking about self. And Jesus says, stop looking at yourself. Come to me. You tired of it? You, you, you just tired? You heavy laden? Come stare at me. You know, it's interesting. I, I was just thinking about uh, in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw God and all of his glory and the angels are screaming, holy, holy, holy. What is the first thing Isaiah says is, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's like when he was staring at God in all of his glory, his only thought about self was, I am ugly. I am disgusting. I am dead. You see, when you see God in all of his glory, then suddenly you see all of your imperfections. And the beautiful thing about God is at that moment, he sends an angel over there and says, you got it. You got it, you understand now. So let me take a coal from the altar. Let me touch your lips and cleanse you of all that unrighteousness. Now let me turn you into something really beautiful. Now that you understand that it's not about you, it's about this God and all of his glory. See, Jesus says, not look at yourself. He says, deny yourself. That was the message of Christ. It's not you do you. He goes, you stop doing yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And if you're going to try to save your own life and show everyone your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, if you let go of yourself, you deny yourself, that's how you're going to find life.
as I look at this crowd, I just keep thinking, I don't know anything about your lives. We know so little about each other. Some of you have gone through some pain, some hurt, and please, I'm not trying to diminish that, okay? And I'm not saying that there aren't times when we throw out the truth about our lives to other people, that's what the church is for. But there has to come a point where you stop looking inward for the solution. I want us to stare at him right now, this holy, holy God that says, I want to enter into you. I want to come in and push that button that takes it off of yourself and onto others. And I guess if I were really thinking about you right now, I'm just, the Lord's convicting me right now. It's like, Francis, are you really thinking about them and saying everything they need to hear. I know how easy it is to just go to a service. I know how easy it is to just come and be fed and leave here feeling a little bit better because you were nourished. It's not what God wants for you. It's not enough. He wants you to know him, to love him. Man, do you long to be alone with God? Like I said in that video, there's just something strange when people who say they love Jesus don't long for his return. I mean, honestly, when's the last time you were just longing for him to come back. Not because you were depressed, not because you had a rough day, but because you're in love. I mean, this morning I'm getting texts from my kids, you know, back home, and I'm texting them back, and I just smile, because I just picture their faces back home, and I can't wait to get back to them in a couple. That's what you do when you're in love. But I meet so many people who call themselves Christians and they don't long for the return of Christ. They'll be honest and tell me, gosh, it's been years since I've wanted him to return. Some of you can go a whole week and go, man, I can't wait till next Sunday where I get fed again and I can come into the presence of God. Guys, okay, last thing I'm gonna say. I, I used to love doing this. I still do, I mean, this is, this is cool, but I used to love feeding people. And I kind of saw myself as Moses. You know how in the Old Testament, Moses goes up the mountain? It's a crazy scene. Okay, you, you've got, uh, yeah, we got five minutes. Okay, in, in Exodus, Exodus chapter 19, verse nine, it says, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and you may also, uh, and, and may also believe you forever. 
Verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. On the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care, don't go up the mountain or, or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him. He shall be stoned or shot. Whoever whether beast or man, he shall not live. But when the trumpet sounds a long, sounds a long blast, they shall come to the mountain. So then uh, on ver in verse 16, jump to 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder, lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out to the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the front of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Okay, isn't that a great scene? Like, can you imagine if I said, hey, this morning, is there a mountain nearby? I don't know, your mountains, Mount, you know, whatever, Olympia. We're gonna go over there and, and we're gonna meet God. And I say, stay down here. If you go up even a little bit, you'll die. And he says, Francis, come up. And you're listening to thunder coming from the mountain. You're seeing fire. And here I go up the mountain. I am going to meet with God. I mean, you'll look and you'll go, that's insane. Francis is going up there. And the whole time you're going, oh, I can't wait till he gets back. I want to know what God said. What did God say? What did God say? And I come down the mountain. Guys, this is what God said. This is what I did week after week after week. And I, I don't mind. I like going up the mountain. I like going in the presence of God. But you guys, what I realized just a couple weeks ago is God has not called me to be Moses to anyone because we're in the New Testament now and something happened when Jesus died on the cross. The veil was torn. The veil to the holy holies, meaning not just the high priest goes in there once a year, but everyone has access to the mountaintop. So the worst thing I can do is be your Moses. You are supposed to go into his presence. You can enter in his presence by the blood of Jesus Christ. And until you start doing this and you start gazing at his beauty, until you do that, you're never going to be fulfilled. And you'll be sucking the life out of everyone. But when you've been on that mountaintop and you've been in the presence of God, your cup overflows and you go, I really don't need anything else. <laughs> so my prayer for you this morning is that any of you that go, I've never been to the mountain. I don't enjoy speaking to him. I'm scared for you because the Bible says there'll be many people who did a lot of things and Jesus says on the last day when you come to judgment, Jesus is gonna say, I never knew you. You never even came up halfway to the mountain. 
Or you're that one that just kept sucking off of the sermons. I never knew you. You guys, that needs to change. Don't you want it to change? Doesn't it sound exciting to go up the mountaintop yourself? This is what God wants from you. That's when you begin to spill over. That's when you become teachers rather than eating milk anymore because you know him. If I could leave you with anything, if you don't know him, get that right. If you've been stuck on selfie mode, talk to a leader here and say, it's time to kill me. How about we kill some people this morning? Why don't we kill them by baptized? Let's drown them to where they're dead and they come back alive in Christ and Christ starts flowing through us and we create a church that does not suck. A church where everyone is just spilling over with spiritual gifts, blessing one another for the common good. Father, would you please do that miracle here? If not here, somewhere, Lord. I just want to see a church where everyone is a giver. I pray that could be here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.